back. We're back. It's a distraction. I'm Drew. That's Roth. How you doing, Roth? I'm good. We all uh, failed our counting test to get ourselves uh, started for the podcast, but I trust everything's recording okay. That'll yeah, be our, nice. Our producer, Eric, had us counting down in unison, and we couldn't do it. It was like Lethal Weapon 6. It was yeah. really, really just out of sight. The sin. last thing I said was definitely F. <laughs> Not a number at all. Uh, yeah, it was like 5, 4, Q... Ampersand. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, it's big football time, Roth. I know that you love talking football more than anything in the world. That's why we brought on as our guest, our old defector friend and the athletics master NFL reporter, Kalen Kaler. How are you doing, Kalen? Hey, guys. Happy to be back. Thanks for having me. We are so happy. How are you doing? How's your jaw? The jaw is doing good. Um... Pretty good. Although, I will tell you, do you want to hear about my latest development with the jaw? It's really weird. Yeah, we usually begin with uh, medical agonies. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I find it fascinating. So people who don't know, Kaylin was with us at Defector when she had to get, and I'm making this very shorter than it should be, Kaylin, but essentially she had to get her jaw replaced, and now she has an artificial jaw. It was a yep. very laborious, very painful process. So Kaylin, uh, you are now past the recovery stage of it, but you said that there is a wrinkle uh, yes. <laughs> in your recovery. What is that wrinkle? So, okay. So, uh, well, I have Invisalign now and I'm going to have Invisalign for like uh, probably the next year. And I get yelled at like every time I go to the orthodontist, cause I don't wear it enough. I am wearing it right now. I want to confirm to the listeners. Um, you guys are my accountability partners, but okay. The weird thing is a couple months ago, I started realizing just randomly that, um, one side of my face, like right over the jaw joint by my like ear, was getting really hot and also wet. And I was like, is this sweat? Like, what is happening? And there was only one side and I have two, they did both sides. So I was like, why is only one side of my jaw like getting hot and sweaty? And I couldn't figure out why it was happening. And then um, I Googled it, obviously, because that's what you do when uh, you know something weird is happening to your body. (laughs) Always a good idea. You'll always be so relaxed yeah. And reassured by what you find when you Google your malady. Yeah. So, so I was like, <laughs> post-surgery, face hot, sweaty. Because I was afraid it was infected. Because that can happen. Like, in rare rare occasions, your titanium joint, like, will get infected. And I was like, oh, God, I swear to God, if I had to do this again, like, I'm just going to, like, I don't know what I'm going to do. So I Googled it. And the first thing that comes up is this weird thing where, like, if you have surgery on your face or some kind of trauma regarding the nerves on your face, the nerves get confused. And instead of it's, it's when you eat. And then, so when you eat, instead of producing saliva, it's producing sweat on the outside of your face. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, it sucks for you. (laughs) So it's just really weird. So like, then I started noticing, oh my God, it is every time I'm eating something. So like I could put like, I have Altoids right here. I could put an Altoid like in my mouth. It's Peppermint doesn't really do it. It's more like salty or sour things. Like if I eat anything salty, like an almond or a nut or like popcorn, I eat popcorn all the time. Every time I have popcorn, I call it the popcorn sweats now. Because <laughs> That's the, great. That's going to be the title for this episode, by the way. You the just, popcorn you the, sweat. Yeah, just a single rivulet of umami sweat trailing <laughs> down your face because you ate an anchovy. <sighs> Of all the side effects you could have, though, this is both the funniest and it seems like the one least worth worrying about. So well, yeah, that's right. good. Right. I was, so it. So is it more of a curiosity, or is it like, is it so hot on no. one side of your jaw that like you're like, I'm gonna die? No, it's fine. It's just, I mean, like when I 
have like a bag of popcorn, it is like wet over here. So <laughs> <laughs> that's um, my my surgeon was like, yeah, he's like, you know, I don't really see this a lot, but it's definitely something that happens. And he was like, you know, if, if it bothers you enough, we can put Botox in your face on that side and that will like, you know, stun. It'll basically prevent it from happening because it would be like freeze the nerves. And I was like, eh, that feels like a lot of work. I guess I'll just wait it out. <laughs> You just have to make sure if you're on a date and you go to a movie that that you're They're on, on the, the right other side. side. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. You'd be like, look, you can't be on the side as my sweaty jaw because it would just be very off-putting. So we'll go with the dry jaw side and then we'll be fine. <laughs> just somebody be like, you seem really stressed out during that movie. <laughs> yeah. Nerves are weird though. I, I learned that when I had my own accident when um, right. I lost my sense of smell and I was told that uh, it would be a good thing. It'd be a good sign if if certain smells came back but were utterly unrecognizable so like whoa if if i smelled uh you know garbage but it smelled like candy like that's all mixed up because your nerves are all mixed up with it but it means that your nerves are doing something and doing actual work yeah it's actually not aptly happened like i still can't smell anything so i keep waiting oh, to like smell no. a, <laughs> it's fine it doesn't it, I'm so used to it. It doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. I still want that experience for you, though. I want you to get off the F train at the Second I mean, Avenue stop in so August good. and be like, who is cooking? Because this <laughs> smells amazing. But you and I are, are different, Kaelin, because obviously mine was the result of a tragic accident. Right. And uh, yours were the result of a voluntary surgery. So the right. money question is, are you glad after all this time oh my God. that you got it done? Yes, I think I am because like I can finally just stop thinking about it. Like it's over. Um, you know, it's done and I like my new face. So, um and my jaw works. Um so that's nice to know. Uh and then once I finish my Invisalign, I think I'll be like, "Hell yeah." You know, because Invisalign I have to say is such a phony scam. It's a farce. <laughs> yeah. Do not get Invisalign. I would have just kept my braces on had I known how difficult it is to have Invisalign. Um, although I also hated having braces, so maybe I wouldn't. But like, is it is it that bad? Isn't it just like an, an, my night guard that I put in? You just stick it in, and you go. Well, that's what I thought. But like, you can't. I mean, I have to have my trays for two weeks at a time, so like, I have to be really careful to like not drink coffee while they're in, not um, have oh. like because they stain. And it's like one time I had a turmeric. This was a bad idea, but one time I had. A, <laughs> <laughs> A turmeric juice and like literally my trays were like yellow and I could not get it off. And I, I was supposed to have them in for like another week and I was like, oh my God, this is hard. So talk about not being able to eat popcorn. You don't want to be able to. It's a tough it. one. The turmeric yeah. is the funniest possible thing though. For <laughs> that like, is fun. like in the profession, we call this, you have julianied your trays. Unfortunately, yeah. they cannot be rescued. <laughs> like just taking out the trays and just pouring Cabernet into them yeah. and then putting them back <laughs> right. in. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> we should talk about actual sports. Uh, disagree. Yeah, good idea. Yeah, Strongly I know. disagree, but all right. It's championship weekend, and uh, before we talk about uh, championship weekend, we should talk about the losers from last weekend, because that's more fun, particularly the yeah, Cowboys, who yes. again yes. lost in the funniest possible manner that they could, and you wrote about it, and you wrote about the fact that <laughs> it was such a great play, because even if you were a layperson... Like Roth and I, and you saw Zeke lining up at center. You're like, well, he's going to get destroyed. He was the only offensive he was lineman alone. on that play, and so like, and then and then San Francisco took a timeout, and San Francisco was like, well, they're not going to line up again 
that way after, taking, after we take a timeout. And they did. And then all you know, the 49ers linebackers were like, well, let's just fucking house Zeke. Yep. Destroy him. And that's just a rare did. moment yeah. of pure slapstick of him. It's just so it's getting pushed four <laughs> yards back and falling down like a little child, like who's oh. learning how to walk. So, so beautiful. And Kelly. everybody kept pointing out like that might have been Zeke's last Cowboys snap because like he's likely to not return. Uh, yeah, which I think is hilarious. Yeah, which yeah. I think is so funny. That's how it, his Cowboys career ends. It is so funny. But like, honestly, so, okay, it, when what I wrote, I have a lot of things to say about that play, but one thing that just makes no sense to me, I mean, Zeke at center makes absolutely no sense. So when I was working on what I wrote yesterday, which is basically just like asking a lot of questions about the last drive and the last play, um, I texted somebody um uh, who I was like, have you ever seen a play like this? First of all, I got a lot of no's. Someone responded, a former um, offensive coordinator, head coach responded and said, not even in Pop Warner, which I thought was so funny. <laughs> um, and then, <laughs> and then um, somebody else said, you know what? Go watch the Cowboys um, last play of the first half against the Chargers last year. And I was like, interesting. I don't remember that play. Went back and watched it. Um, you know, they threw a pass. It was like a six yard pass to CeeDee Lamb, who then ran diagonally across the field and then lateraled behind him to Zeke Elliott, who almost scored. It was like a 49 yard play. It was actually a oh, very I well done. Remember that pick. Yeah, it was like yeah. a very well done version of a lateral play, sort of a, you know, last ditch attempt. There were three seconds on the clock. But the difference was they had their entire offensive line playing their actual roles as an offensive line. Like the question about that, did they get in a formation that anyone had ever seen before, before they ran that play? Right. Right. So it looked like, it looked normal. So it wasn't like signaling to the, to the defense, like, oh, this is exactly what we're going to do. You know, I mean, what the Cowboys did, it was like, sure, you have limited options with six seconds left and 70, what was it, 74 yards, 76 yeah. yards to go. Yeah, I mean, they weren't they weren't going to win. They weren't going to win. They had very limited options. But, like, to do that, you are, like, really explicitly telling the defense exactly what you're doing. And also, what you pointed out, Drew, I was amazed they didn't change their formation when the Niners yeah. took their last time out. Like, when have you ever seen it where a defense takes a timeout and the offense does the exact same thing? It's discouraging because I um, I think I'm like a lot of people where, you know, I like trickery and I love razzle-dazzle football. And so like, and I was someone who, I played high school football and we had a swinging gate package we installed that we never used. And so whenever I see those sort of unorthodox formations, I get a little excited, right? I'm yeah. going to see something that I haven't seen in a football game before. But then the execution is always so shitty. Yeah, it's never, it's yeah. never good. It always ends with like some guard carrying the football like it's an extremely hot loaf of bread. Yeah. Like, oh, God. Like, yeah. Flinging it backwards. Yeah. Like the amazing thing is that that play didn't end with a fumble. Like it should have ended with a fumble, but it just ended with poor uh, Turpin just getting fucking housed. So just- the thing about the play that I love the most, we talked about this at there's a, a whole post at Defector. Uh, we're basically debating the merits of this play versus the extremely deranged Colts punt play yeah. where uh, the guy just stands under center with everybody else like on the other side of the field. The thing about this, and I'm not going to say it could have worked. Like, obviously, if there was some, you know, hook and lateral thing that they had done that had worked in the past, then like, you know, I wouldn't put it past them. They're good players. The idea of having nobody on your offensive line is extremely funny and stupid under any circumstances. But what I loved about it, beyond coming back, 
coming back from a timeout and doing it again is Mike McCarthy excellence at right. its absolute apex. But to me, what was great was it's that pause. Because even with the Colts play, if you go really fast, there might be a chance that you catch the defense a little bit off balance. Like there's no way that Colts play could have worked even to get the three yards they needed. But it definitely wasn't going to work because for like 10 seconds, there's one guy standing unguarded behind the butt of another guy with nobody else around them. Right. And in this case, it just the time that it took to be like, oh, that's that's Ezekiel Elliott out there. Oh, and there's no one else. And then you just get this nice, long, comedic beat of everybody sort of standing around waiting for something bad to happen that <laughs> yeah. is... You don't want to... I mean, whatever. As a football coach, we can have our issues with Mike McCarthy, but as a sort of... Um, office era Ricky Gervais cringe comedian you simply have to tip your cap he's amazing yeah I really hope like Jerry said after the game this doesn't change uh how I feel about my like my plans with Mike which I mean that probably means nothing but I actually do hope it means that he stays because I need the third edition of this next season like this is like a recurring thing like I mean it's just incredible and I will say the other thing that I thought was really uh just hilarious about this drive was that um you know most good coaches would so so on on the previous drive third and 10 Dak Prescott got sacked and it wasn't a negative play like they didn't lose any yards but they were like so deep into their own territory that you I think they were at the 18 yard line like they should have gone for it in that situation because there was so little time left anyways like you should have just done it yeah it was fourth and 10 right yeah fourth and 10 at the 18 at their own 18 I believe and all the models said go for it essentially um because the win percentage was so small anyways like all the models said to go for it but he took literally 10 seconds to decide what he was going to do which is absolutely insane because the the camera um and I tweeted this video but the camera like pans to him and he's like slowly kind of like motioning the offense off the field as if there's like 10 minutes on the clock and he's like there was like no urgency he's like yeah I guess you guys you know come off when you feel like it you know go ahead and then the punt took 40 seconds from from the sack to the punt being fair caught was 40 seconds and I asked people around the NFL I was like okay, if you were trying to do a quick punt, like if you had decided, hey, if you take a sack, which you should never do in that situation anyways, but that's another point. Like if if we have a negative play here, we're going to punt. So, uh, you know, offense, get off the field, punt team, like a quick punt exchange. Most teams who practice that, which teams will practice it, teams should be practicing it. They can do it in the mid twenties. At the best, they could do it in 22 seconds. So they wasted like 15 seconds just there, you know, and that's like three plays. So- I mean, it's just incompetence. This is what makes McCarthy such a a great figure to me is that it's not just that he does weird shit and gets it wrong a lot, which is like to me, like the classic of like, that's a that's what you want a football coach to do if they're not coaching your team. Like if you just want to have him be like a weird character in your life on Sundays, it's the fact that he is so smug it seems and like kind of casual i don't want to like smug is like that's his affect he but gets pissy about it. he really acts like he is an underappreciated genius and <laughs> he does stuff like this that is like it's that's basic blocking and tackling shit like in you know whatever the metaphorical sense right like that's just not your team isn't run very well like no. you can't blame anybody else for that it's like coaching 101 like right. you need to be 
you need to know what you're going to do in all these different scenarios. Like you should literally have a chart in front of you that says, this is what I'm going to do if this happens and you communicate it to your players. Like some teams will use like a code word to be like, hey, on offense, if we don't get this play, we're going to punt. So, you know, banana or whatever. And then, <laughs> and they'll say that. So then they know to run off the field and there's like no thinking about it. They're just going to do it. I uh, I liked also that it got us, you know, after after these losses, you always get solemn, Jerry. So, you know, oh, instead, yes. instead, yeah, you always get, well, it hurts you right in the guts, it does, but we're not going to do anything about it. We're just going to roll it back and see how it goes. And so I want to ask you. The whole clubhouse feels like a donkey kicked over our pail full of oats right now. By the way, the, the, of course, uh, I, I got to throw a homerism angle in it, which is that, you know, that right, I think two days later, Kirk Cousins was trending on Twitter. And I knew exactly why. I knew that the second I clicked, I would see that. Oh, Dak is just Kirk. And that's exactly what I <laughs> yeah. saw. So then I have to ask you, Kalen, from a football standpoint, they're going to run it back. They're going to keep McCarthy. They're going to keep Dak. If they don't keep Zeke, who gives a fuck? But like, yeah. are they, is this Cowboys team as good as it can ever be despite all the talent on the roster? I mean, you know, after the second year of this happening, um, you know, they did win a playoff game for the first time in forever. So I guess that was a success in its Aww. own way. But, um, you know, someone, I saw people tweeting like, is Mike McCarthy any better than Jason Garrett? And at, at this point, I'm like, no, I don't yeah, think so. Yeah, I don't so. see it. Um, because they, they're not getting much farther than they did with Jason Garrett. Um, so I don't know. I mean, Dak, Dak, I get the Dak is Kirk thing is interesting because Dak certainly, um, left a lot out there on Sunday. Like he was not what he needed to be to he bring sucked. that team. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he wasn't two ways point counterpoint. Yeah. He sucked. <laughs> um, so I don't know what they should do. I mean, I still wouldn't be surprised if Sean Payton was like the surprise hiring in Dallas. And right. Because yeah. Jerry is how old? How old is Jerry? He's like almost 90, right? A or is that million. Bob Kraft? I don't he's know. He's in his 80s, right? Years old. So I think he knows like I'm gonna not be here for much longer. So I do think he does have a sense of urgency. So I would kind of be surprised if they did run it back with the same staff, despite what he just said. Um, mm. Because at the beginning of the season, he was like saying stuff about McCarthy, like not really being secure in his job. So um I don't know. I feel like Jerry does have a sense of urgency. And the problem with the quarterback situation, though, is that this year's quarterback market is, I mean, there's so many teams that need a quarterback. There's like eight or nine that like definitely need a quarterback. And then when you look at the free agents, you have like Jimmy Garoppolo, you have Derek Carr. Well, Derek Carr, you'd have to trade for him right now. But like Derek Carr is going to be like the hottest quarterback on this market. Um, and you have Tom Brady. And he's not very good either. No. And nobody knows what Tom is going to do. And Tom is like a one-year solution he's not a long-term thing by any right. means so and then the draft you've got like three guys that could start right away and then the florida kid is not going to be able to start right away and then i don't know there's just not a lot of good quarterbacks available and there's way more teams that need one this season than there are quarterbacks available so like Dak has to be the guy for the cowboys so they've got a i don't know i do think they just need to um hire a new coach and uh do something about that it seems like the smart move not just because of mccarthy's issues but I, like if it's sean payton and i kind of had this feeling that like sean payton i mean he's been i feel like in the conversation for that job for the entire time that he's been a head coach in the nfl yeah yeah that if you look at what i mean not to compare everybody to Brian Dable, and we'll we'll get to the Giants, I'm sure, in time. Uh, we will. 
Terrific. Great. Well, I'll look forward to that. But if he got so Daniel Jones to like where he got him in one year with right. all of the things that are wrong with Daniel Jones, that Sean Payton, who's whether he is a genius or not, I think is, you know, a subject for another day. He is certainly a better head coach and certainly a better head coach of quarterbacks than Mike yes. McCarthy. I would like to see what more Dak Prescott has. I feel like there's yes. certainly if you had to give up on one party in this scenario, it seems very obvious to me that as bad as Prescott was, it has to be McCarthy. It has to be McCarthy. Also, if you're Sean Payton, wouldn't you much rather take the Cowboys job than the Broncos job? Right. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, like the ways that Russ seems broken are like oh my God. maybe career ender type yes. stuff. Whereas yes. like Prescott, it's like even now he's like. If you're getting compared to Kirk Cousins, it's not necessarily what you want, but there's way meaner comps out there. Right. Well, that's that's the weird thing is that you have these QBs that are good, like demonstrably better than most quarterbacks. It's just that they aren't quite as good as the best quarterback. So it's like, okay, well, we can have, you know, a B-plus quarterback for 10 years, and maybe we luck our way into a Super Bowl, or we get rid of them. And we pray we find an A quarterback, but that could take 20 years. You don't ever fucking know. So, like, a lot of these teams, I think, don't have much of a choice. They feel like they have to sign these guys or keep them around. And it's a shame because, like, I otherwise enjoy Dak Prescott's work most of the time. Um, let's take a quick break. We have a lot more football to talk uh, with Kalen Killer of The Athletic. But we're going to take a break and come right back. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. When you're at your best, you can do great things, but sometimes life gets you bogged down. You may feel overwhelmed, like you're not showing up in the way that you want to. If that's the case, therapy can be a really helpful tool for figuring out how to show up for yourself so you can then show up for others. So if you're curious about trying therapy, but you're overwhelmed by how to start, try BetterHelp. It's convenient, flexible, affordable, and entirely online. You can talk to your therapist via chat, phone, or video call. And if you don't click with your therapist, you can switch to a new one quickly and painlessly. So if you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com distraction today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash distraction. This episode is also sponsored by Tab for a Cause. Tab for a Cause is a browser extension that lets you raise money for charity while doing your thing online. If you install the extension on Firefox, Chrome, or Safari, it will show you a beautiful photo and a small ad every time you open a new tab. Part of that ad money goes towards a charity of your choice. They've raised over $1.5 million so far, and even published quarterly financial reports so you can see exactly how much they give to each charity and what their other costs are. Join Team Distraction by signing up at tabforacause.org distraction. That's tabforacause.org distraction. We are back with Kalen Kaler of The Athletic. So let's talk about uh, some of the other winners and losers. And I didn't mean that in the ringer way from uh, this past weekend divisional round. Stefan Diggs, uh, Kalen, he appeared to get extremely pissy at his own team when the Bills got housed by the Bengals in Buffalo. Is Diggs, uh, as he was with the Vikings, is he being a bit prescient about seeing this team that he's on being run poorly? Or, or is it possible that he's a surly asshole? 
I think it might be a little bit of both. I actually really appreciate his reaction um, because I do think it's valid because what is this, the uh, third year, his third year there? Second year there? Yeah, um, yeah, because first year was AFC title game and then two outs in the divisional round. Right. So he is rightfully, you know, frustrated because I feel like the last three years, like the Bills have had a shot at the Super Bowl and they haven't even made it there. So, you know, I do think he has a very good reason to be mad about it. And like, you know, there were some coaching decisions in that game that felt like Sean McDermott was giving up when he's deciding to punt. I can't remember the exact situations now, but um, yeah, your old boss, Peter King noted it that there were like two or uh, probably three instances where McDermott didn't have to punt and he did. And that seems to be a recurring theme with him. He is not an aggressive coach. Right. And so, you know, as a receiver who wants the ball and wants to extend drives on offense, that's going to be frustrating. And I can see why he would have that reaction. Um, You know, I do think like in general, I just think the Bills were really tired emotionally. And obviously it's really impossible to gauge that and measure the impact that that really had on the way they were playing. But, um, you know, I was at the Dolphins game and it was just like, they were not playing well. They didn't play well against the Patriots the week before that. Like they just, the last three, since DeMar Hamlin, they just had not been playing good football. So to me, I just kind of saw a team that was a little bit like literally mentally and physically exhausted and like needed a break. So um, I think it's partly coaching. Um, I think it's partly uh, the emotional damage that was done there. Um but yeah, I like how I, I like how Stefan Diggs reacted. And, you know, I don't think it's like to the point where he's like alienating people like he did. It seems like he did with the Vikings. So um, we'll see. But yeah, what a disappointing way and kind of like just giving up sort of way for that season to end for them. You know, it's funny because I wanted it, you know, at, when DeMar Hamlin's injury happened, you know, I, I was like everybody else. I was, you know, very scared and worried he would die and like, oh, OK, how is this going to affect the players on that team, they're not going to want to play, finish this game against the Bengals, which they didn't, but also it's going to have a long tail, all that stuff. But in no time at all, I was like, well, wouldn't it be just the best story yeah, in the right, world yeah. right. if they if they won it all for the Gip and they right. won a Super Bowl, their first Super Bowl, and I bet they're so charged up and motivated to go out and do it for DeMar. Right. And that's not how that works. You that's know? not how people work. I mean, it's, it's not. And I think it was in the sense that they were they were motivated, but I think that idea of, and I think Kalen said it very well, that every team is tired at this point. Exhausted is kind of a different thing, and I, they did seem a mm. little bit flat and a little bit wrung out in a way that yeah. it's, you can't win. I mean, you could barely get by Skylar Thompson and the Dolphins like that. You for sure are not going to beat the Bengals that way. Right. And it's too bad. I still, I mean, I know I've already been seeing – you know, this is how you know your team really fucked up when you see people talking about how much cap they got committed to 10 guys next year <laughs> yeah, right. where they're already like sort of like catastrophizing on on the whole deal. And I, right. I get all that. It is a lot of money committed to 10 guys. Their 10 guys are really fucking good, though. They like are, yeah. it's a, they I wouldn't dude. like be mad to trade places with that roster if I were any team in the NFL. Basically. Right. That's the story of the past three years, isn't it, Kale? Yes, where it's it like this team should win a Super Bowl, but like saying you should and actually doing it is a markedly different, you know, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Ben Solak from the Ringer he tweeted, uh, "The Bills hadn't drafted a Pro Bowler in four years." So 
you know, drafting is obviously hot and cold and you go on streaks and there's obviously valuable players who are not pro bowlers. But I do think maybe um, the heat should also be on the GM as well as the head coach there. But none of that's going to change, right? No. Keep every, right, no, keep I don't there. think so. Uh, yeah. Roth, your Giants, uh, they got what? ousted from the playoffs. Uh, what? Wait, how, I've been saving the game to watch on DVR. What are you telling me right now? <laughs> I know. Surprising uh, as it may news. be. Yeah. They lost to the Eagles. And, well, uh, I assume they kept it close at least. They have indicated that they want to re-sign <laughs> both Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones, whose fifth-year option they did not pick up. So they could have had Daniel Jones on the cheap for next year. Instead, they were like, no, we'll replace him. But then he had a nice season. So now they say that they want him back. He'll be at a decided markup. Should they do either of those things? And do you actually believe that they will do either of those things? I think that they are going to spend a good amount of money this offseason because they are they finally seem to be exiting the Dave Gettleman cap horror house that they right. were in. Mm-hmm. I think they've got a lot of work to do. I think that they basically need to sign an entire receiving core, for instance. That seems like an important thing. Uh, there's obviously some work to do on the defense as well. I also feel like, though, and I would not have bet money on my feeling this, let alone being willing to commit it to recording on a podcast. I think at this point, Jones is the best option for them. I know he's going to be expensive, but, you know, to what Kalen was saying about what the quarterback market is looking like this offseason, plus the fact that it does seem like, you know, for the first time, he really looked like a guy that could be a, you know, winning quarterback. And I think that it's just one year in a situation with competent coaching and also a healthy Saquon Barkley for an entire year. I would love to see that again. Like they weren't, they played a very easy schedule this year. We now know exactly what their ceiling is, which is like good enough to get by a Vikings team with problems and bad enough to be just reduced to a mist by the Eagles <laughs> from Jump Street. Yeah. But I think that, you know, if you're going to spend money on any of this stuff, I feel like these are guys that fans care about who also showed that they could do good work this season. And if you fill in the right stuff around them, I know you're not supposed to build around running backs because that's not, that's like 1990s thinking or whatever. But if Barkley is capable of doing 85% of what he did this year for another few seasons, which I honestly do not know if he is, then he's an extremely valuable player. And they managed to find good ways to use him. Which is incredible if you look at how they had used him in the past. It's like, of course he's not going to fucking flourish if you send him off tackle the first two plays out of every series. <laughs> but letting him do fun stuff, he was fun. I, so I hope they will. But what they should do, I'm like both too close to it and too stupid to really speak to that uh, in any depth. They have the third most cap space right now. So yeah. I looked it up. Fifty-four million dollars. Oh, million dollars behind the Bears and the Falcons. I was gonna say your Bears. They. Uh, oh my God, they've got so much money. <laughs> I can't wait for them to fritter it away. I can't wait for them to not trade the number one pick, draft Bryce Young, and then trade Justin Fields to somebody who needs a quarterback. Just because I'm rooting for chaos. Yeah, yeah I, I, I think football wise they should trade Justin Fields but they're not going to that yeah. suits me as a Vikings fan but uh cuz like a lot of people saw the rushing totals and they're like oh oh he's the right. next Lamar Jackson but I'm a little I reserve I the right to be a touch skeptical Kalen uh we're going back to the rooting for narratives uh portion 
of our chat uh, because the Chiefs, they beat the Jaguars with a hobble Patrick Mahomes. And so everyone, you know, right away did the whole Willis Reed thing around Patrick Mahomes. But can this Chiefs team, which is now not favored to beat the Bengals at home in the AFC title game, can they win a Super Bowl with Mahomes so obviously compromised? It's hard. Uh, with Chad Haney, like if, if Mahomes is like not able to play, I would say no. No, of um, course. Right, right. Right. If if he's able to play, but in a diminished capacity, it's tough because the Bengals have beat them how many times in the last year? Three times yeah. now? Um, yeah. With, three for three. And that was with a healthy Mahomes. So with an unhealthy Mahomes, you know, logic says no, because the Bengals should win because they've already beaten them with a healthy Mahomes three times in the last year. So, you know, ugh, I don't know. It's tough. Um, so I'm going to say no. I, don't, I, I think that injury was really devastating. I mean, that's the worst injury that team could have received. Yeah, because that's like a six-week injury usually, and he's trying to plan it right away. Yeah. And like the other thing was that Tony Romo during that game, and I still like Tony Romo even if Twitter doesn't, but like during that game he was like, well, you got to go after Mahomes now that he's got bum leg but is that a little bit too dangerous? And I'm like, no, fucking send the house on every fucking right. play. Yeah. You right. nuts. Right. Like, you He's vulnerable. He's you extremely play to win vulnerable. The game. <laughs> you, yeah. You totally play the win the game. Roth, uh, can the 49ers still win a title with Brock Purdy? Obviously being so Brock Purdy, can they actually do it with the little, with the little dwarf Brady? The little, little guy. Little the little guy scooting around back there, sometimes turning his his like little Brecken back on a defender who's really near him. That's my favorite terrifying Brock Purdy thing, where he's on like the malfunctioning uh, hoverboard physical <laughs> movement. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, that said, like, sure, I don't know. I mean, that defense is so good. I don't have a hard time like ruling it out. I and I don't know that I'd feel that different if it was Jimmy G. Like, that's a taller, handsomer man. But I don't know that, like, they're both prone to doing things that I don't get. And they're all dependent on Fred Warner continuing to be the best player in the NFL or whatever. And that's fine. Like, Fred Warner is really good. There's a lot of stuff there that works. Every time I watch them, I'm like, there's no way that this could possibly work the way that it's supposed to like especially in that last game where McCaffrey really was was pretty well bottled up the whole time yeah for the Probably first like, three quarters so you're gonna have yeah. to have like the fucking last pick of the draft is gonna win this playoff game for you and like I wouldn't say that Purdy won the game for them right. but like they did win the game so like until I see that it's not gonna work they've won like eight games in a row now like I, I don't know yeah do you have an easy time believing that they could do it like is it is it the sort of thing you've gotten your head around I think they can do it I, I really think they can do it. Um, and I, that's why the NFC title game is going to be so interesting. Because I think if, if they win and they make it to the Super Bowl, I think they can win the Super Bowl, obviously. You know, I think they can win the Super Bowl. But I think it's going to be so interesting to see how they play against the Eagles, um, which have such a good offense. Like, are they going to be able, is the defense going to be able to stop Jalen Hurts and, you know, all of the receivers that they have? Um, because that defense is so good. And, you know, I think they can win any game if they could, because they they can just be in these like low scoring. Because what was that, nineteen to twelve? Yeah, um, it was. Yes. You know, they can be in these low scoring games because the defense is so strong, and they don't need Brock Purdy to do that much. But it does feel like with the Eagles, you need to score 
24 points because they're going to score something like 30 points or whatever. And like, I don't know that the 49ers can score 30 points right now. I just don't know mm. how much that'll matter. That's just it. I mean, I it, that Cowboys game was their first rock fight, you know, with Purdy at the quarter at quarterback. Before that, they were sort of apart from the Raiders game, which was a shootout and it's its own sort of thing. But they were like sort of just beating the shit out of teams, not really trying, not really having to do all that much, like with especially with Purdy not having to do all that much. But now they're going against the Eagles, and in my opinion, and I realized this when they were beating the shit out of the Giants. It wasn't because it was the Giants, but I admitted to myself that I think that this Eagles team is one of the best teams I've ever seen. Like, uh-huh. I really, I don't think anybody's beating them. I think they're invincible, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and so while I think that, yes, of course, anything can happen, and that's why they play games, blah, 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 I really don't think that, like, Brock Purdy, to me, strikes me as someone who can do they he can do the most that he can do given his ability but he's only, he only has so much of that ability. Yeah. And against the Eagles, are you fucking shitting me? Like that <laughs> defense, that offense, yeah. like there's no weaknesses in that team that I see anywhere and I hate admitting that because of the fans, but like it's just it's the God's honest truth. So Eagles. I want to talk to you about the Eagles, Kalen, but I yes. want Roth to say what he wants to say first. Oh, no, it's not important. Uh, talk to Kalen about the Eagles. Good, because nothing you say is ever important. Hey, Kalen, you out. conducted a thorough investigation just oh, the other yes. week into the Eagles pushing, no pun intended, the rules behind quarterback sneaks and devising a rugby scrum method that is virtually unstoppable. We're talking about 92, 93% of the time it's successful. So... I know that you had a uh, copy from other people in your story about how other teams were either mad that the Eagles were doing this or sort of grudgingly respectful of it. But was there anything that they told you like, uh, you know, that didn't make it in the story about like, yeah, this sucks. I fucking hate this. And I want outlawed. Um, so that's kind of how it like, so I got this idea mid season because, um, when the officiating office sent out their teach tape that focused on clarifying that you are allowed to push. Like the reason they did that is because people were complaining to them about the Eagles. They were saying the Eagles are doing all these push formations, like why, you know, make them stop. But then instead the officiating office was like, well, no, actually it's allowed. So like, stop bothering us. You know, they like sent out that clarification so that they would stop having to hear it. And then after that, you started to see other teams just start doing it. Yeah. So that's always what happens is like people are like, eh, oh, my God, they're like exploiting this advantage. And then they all just start to do the same thing because they realize, OK, well, it's still legal. I do think this offseason, though, I don't know this. I don't have any reporting on this, but like I would be shocked if the competition committee doesn't talk about this and think, you know, do we want this in our game? Because They'll like totally talk. Yeah, because like football purists and like anyone on defense is like really annoyed by the pushing because they're like, well, we can't. Like, what is what, you know, we have no way to really like stop that. Um, So, you know, and it's more of like a rugby-esque tactic, which like, if you're like a football purist, you're like, that's not our sport, you know? So you can't push people. (laughs) This is the football room. Yeah. Personally, (laughs) personally, I love it. I'm like, hell yeah. Like do it every time. Like this works, whatever. Um, 
you know, at, you know, at some point we might see a quarterback get injured from it. But to be honest with you, the people pushing the quarterback really aren't doing that much work. Yeah. Um, as, as Jason Kelsey said in my story, like he's like, he was so funny. He was like, I honestly wish that we didn't use pushers because we don't really need them. He's like, they're more like window dressing. And then if you talk to the Eagles players who are in that pushing role, they're like, yeah, I mean, my job is to like, obviously push as hard as I can, but they're like, we are not really doing that much because the offensive line is just so good. And they like get such a, um, it's called knockback is the term is like, yeah, you, I like that. Yeah. So they get such a good, um, knockback where they're just like, sh- tunneling through the defensive line um, that the people who are in those pusher roles behind Jalen are like, yeah, half the time we're not really doing that much. And like Boston Scott, the running back there, he had my favorite quote in the story. He was like, yeah, the offensive line is just so good. Sometimes when I'm supposed to be pushing, I catch myself just looking down and like watching (laughs) them. And he was like, and he's like, it's crazy. They're like pushing him out of the club or something like that was fine. And it was great. (laughs) I, Um, uh, I, yeah. I I saw one other team do that play this past weekend, but they only had one pusher, and it felt like they only had one, like almost out of like etiquette. Like, well, we'll we'll have a dude push the quarterback, but not too many because that would be rude. That's Mara excellence. Yeah, yeah. A lot of teams will do like the tight end in motion, and then I think they do that because then they have them like the tight end has a little momentum to go into the push instead of like pushing from standing still. He's like. I'm in motion and then I'm going to stop for a second and then I'm pushing. So I do think like that's kind of a strategy that I've seen a couple other teams do, but like certainly I haven't seen any other team use three people behind the quarterback and the Eagles have done that regularly. Um, But, you know, even with the Tyler Huntley thing a couple weeks ago, like had he stayed on the ground and like actually executed the quarterback sneak the way that they had coached it, they had guys pushing him. Like it would have, it probably would have worked, but he made a poor choice to jump at the same time where it's like, they're pushing you. Why would you jump? Like you just he was, like, he was very you know. far from the goal line when he made that. <laughs> also, that was, I, I goof on Mike Tarico cause I don't like his voice as much as Al's, but Tarico yeah. on that call was really good. He, he was like, good. He was surprised. He was like, Oh my God, that ball's out. And it was so perfect. It was really good. Yep. Yeah. But like the sneaks thing and like the teams being mad at the Eagles, it just shows how well coached they are because they are looking at every single type of play. And like most teams, that's what surprised me about that story. It's like most teams um, kind of treat the quarterback sneak as like an afterthought, you know, they might have one or two variations of it, but they're not like scheming it up like an actual offensive play. Um, And it's just like, okay, well, if we find ourselves in like third and one or third and inches, fourth and inches, we know what our quarterback sneak is. We'll just go to it. But the Eagles are literally installing like six of them per week. And then we saw on Sunday against the Giants, they didn't actually run a sneak, but they ran a counter off of a sneak. It looked like a you. sneak. You yeah. did that. Yeah. It <laughs> that was, was me. Kayla I actually, I radioed in the play. Yeah. But the broadcast crew was like, oh, here we go. They're going to sneak it. And then they did it. And it was, I think they tossed it to Gainwell, was it? And then he went around like the left side for, uh, I don't remember how many yards. It was, it was a great it was play. Gainwell. It was beautiful. Yeah, it was beautiful. And so um, they actually like install this and use it to their advantage. And I don't think there's any other team in the league that spends as much time on that very boring play as they do. I want to believe that it matters that they seem like they're having more fun than every other team. I don't know that that's like me being a fan or a fan of narratives, writing my own shit over what's actually happening. But there's 
you know, only so many ways to be a football team. And there's the whole, like, you know, nobody believed in us shit. And then there's, you know, the a series of, like, sort of theatrical, uh, like, off-the-rack macho options. The Eagles just yeah. seem to, like, be aware that they've been beating everybody's asses all year and seem to be enjoying themselves and doing it. And that, like, feels like champion behavior to me. Except for Jalen Hurts. Like, he, I have never seen that person smile. Like, really? one time. Yeah, wow. like, he, if you watch him speak to the media, he is, like, stone-faced, stoic, like, we're not done yet. You know, like, I, I want to shake him and be like, have a little, you know, have a little fun. But, yeah. like, he's very much, like, business, business, business. He's a pro. He's from Alabama. He knows how to be a pro. Like he knows <laughs> how to just keep it. Uh, I want to ask you uh, two more questions about your work. But we may as well get your championship picks in okay. while we're here, yep. Galen. Who you picking? Who you got? Eagles and Bengals. All right. What about you, Roth? I think that's going to be the Super Bowl, and I think it's going to whip ass. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be so good. I'm very much looking forward to it. Yeah. I think the Eagles are better, but the Bengals are tough, and I was really impressed at on um, against the, the Bills, and I, we talked about what those issues were. The offensive line looked good, and I was so used to last year Burrow running for his life. If he mm-hmm. doesn't have to run for his life, like, they're fucking great. And it was nobody's. They had fucking backups in there, and they yeah. had— they had Kalen. I, I I have to mention Jackson Carmen because you did so much reporting on him mm-hmm. um, and and his background and he had a very bad background that the Bengals won't talk about exactly. Um, but that you know it was jarring to see him out there. But it was also jarring to be like, oh, the offensive line's good, but oh, I don't want to root for fucking Jackson right. Carmen, you know. And he was really bad against the Ravens, uh, albeit in a different spot on the line. But like, yeah, he was he was not good in the previous week. So I was. Really surprised that he like played well at left tackle, um, and he was literally a healthy scratch like the whole year. Like yeah. they never, they never played him. I thought they were like quiet cutting him because of you know his obviously off the field issues that I wrote about last spring, and then also the fact that he was really not good like at any position they were putting him at. They tried him at a bunch of different spots on the line, and like they didn't play him all year. So I was I was very surprised to see the Bengals offensive line like as a unit perform so well on Sunday. Um, for the people who don't know, we should make it explicit and not, uh, ref- not to allude to it. Um, yes. Vaguely, but yeah. uh, you know, you reported on, on May 10th of 2022, a year, uh, less than a year before uh, Carmen was drafted, a 17 year old girl accused him of raping her two years prior to that. So that is what we're talking about when we're yes. talking about. He uh, was the subject of a rape investigation uh, he he did not face criminal charges, so you know he was able to continue on with his life. And then the Bengals NFL teams told me that they knew about it, and it was for some of them it was a deal breaker. Some of them took him off the board. The Bengals I could never find out if they knew or if they didn't. They wouldn't speak about it. Um, obviously, it didn't matter that much to them because they drafted him in the second round, which a lot of teams saw as a little bit of a reach for him anyways, um, based off of his skill set. And so, yeah, that was the question of my article. It was like, did the Bengals know? Did the Bengals care? And they never commented. Um, and then after the story came out, Zach Taylor was like, we're not commenting on that. Um, so yeah, I, we won't know, but like judging by the fact that like every, you know, many other NFL teams that I spoke to were very aware of this, uh, that he was the subject of a rape, uh, investigation and knew a lot of the details of it, had done the work on it. And, had concerns about it. 
it's likely that they probably knew. They they don't. They I mean the second part of the question: Do they care? It's clearly they don't. They don't right. Fuck. Clearly they don't. Uh, before we get to the fun bagging, the guy of the week. So I wanted to ask you about the Eagles piece, but also about the Aaron Rodgers piece you wrote in the middle of the season about oh, God. Aaron Rodgers uh, having a series of hand signals that his uh, wide receivers are not taught. They just have to sort of glean them and intuit them, like from being around Aaron. Who's actually who wasn't around basically for you know the beginning of the season, uh, and I remember Aaron and both Pat McAfee getting their diapers all full at you because you wrote that article. So I want to ask you: Are Aaron yeah. Rodgers and Pat McAfee still mad at you, and are the Eagles mad at you or anybody else for the Eagles piece that you wrote? Um, the Eagles are not mad at me, to my knowledge. Um, Jason Kelsey, I know, really loved the story um, because he tweeted at me and. Um, he said some nice things about me to Peter King uh, when Peter was talking to him post game um, in the locker room. So shout out to Jason Kelsey. We we love Jason Kelsey. Um, obviously, that's the Eagles center, and he's like the quarterback sneak master. So I don't think they're mad at me. I think I think they are probably a little peeved that um, I covered it so well, <laughs> and they're mad that other people can read about it now um, and learn all their secrets. But other than that, no, Aaron. Uh, and Pat McAfee, I don't, I don't know. I personally, I'm over it. I don't, I never was mad at Aaron because like Aaron can think whatever Aaron wants to think. Like that's, that's fine. He can do that. But Pat, I was annoyed with because he like mischaracterized my reporting by saying it was anonymous sources when in fact everyone was on the record. He admitted he didn't read the story, which it's like at the bare minimum, like if you're going to ask your guest about a story, you should right. probably read it. It's not a book. It takes 10 minutes to read. <laughs> right. It's going to say, like, this is, it's not and then, and especially here's the, demanding. Here's the irony. I don't know if irony is the right word. Um, he was named the athletic, athletic sports media person of the year. And then he admitted he does not have an athletic subscription. And it's literally $1.99 a month. Like, it's what it's so inexpensive. <laughs> like yeah, it's not is. expensive. And he like, he was like, yeah, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I don't have an athletic subscription. Somebody had to send me the article about me. And then like a few weeks later, he's like destroying an article on the athletic that had just named him. You know, I don't know. I was just like, this is funny. This is funny. Was it, what, I think it was Thirsty Dick who named him uh, <laughs> yeah. sports person of the year. Was. By the way, yeah, this is the part where I say that Roth and I, it was either on this show or the AMP show. That we oh, are we're... athletic subscribers. No, we, we were... love it. Active commenters <laughs> we actually, as well. We are, but we were like, we were like, oh, Pat McAfee, he seems all right. Maybe we misjudge him because he was at stool for a cup of coffee. But actually, no. He yeah. Sucks. Well, the thing Fuck is, him. he has two personalities. He has, which that once you like realize that, it's like, okay, then you can understand everything he does. Like he has his persona on his show, and then he has his like real self. Um and that's just how it is. So, like, the persona on the show is, like, not a journalist, number one. And to expect him to be, like, talking about journalism in a journalistic way is just not what he's going to do. Right. So, yeah, the, I mean, among the other gigs that he's had, like, he's been in the pro wrestling orbit. That seems like more the shit, the energy that he's bringing to the show. Yeah, like, a, he's a character. It just sucks for... I think I don't want to talk about like the listeners or whatever, because they're obviously getting something like what they want from it. 
But having to play act as a total fucking donkey who doesn't read anything is like you've lowered the ceiling on the experience that you're making available to everybody else. Where you're just right. sort of like, I don't even know what the, the hell tick is. I've not heard of websites. My whole thing is wearing a tank top and standing up for three hours. Like, cool. All right. Like, that's fine. It's just now you have to act like that every time you're on the fucking show. Like, you can't right. admit to knowing anything. Yeah, and standing up while podcasting is my thing, Pat. Not <laughs> oh, yeah. Yours. You started that, yeah. And the other thing is, like, like, you know, Aaron has a lot of interesting thoughts as far as football goes. Like, I would, you know, talking football with Aaron Rodgers, when he gets into, like, actual, like, parts of the game and the way he sees the game, I always find it to be very fascinating and, like, educational. And... By not reading the article, Pat Pat could have asked him a bunch of actually good questions about the way he uses signals, yeah. about the way he like interacts with his receivers and rookies and why they were struggling earlier in the season. And, you know, he could have asked him like some actually insightful questions that were inspired by the article, by what I wrote, because I didn't get a chance to talk to Aaron one-on-one for the story. I asked him one um, question in a press conference for it, but that was it. So... You know, like Pat has access to Aaron in a way that the rest of us don't. And like, I don't think he actually utilizes it in the best way a lot of the times because he just like, you know, says an article's bullshit. What do you what do you think, Aaron? When instead, you could actually ask a real question about it and we could all actually learn something. Ah, uh, we'll see. If he asked Aaron a real question, he would no longer have access to Aaron. Yeah, exactly. And that is the truth. <laughs> also, obviously, the Packers are a different roster than the Eagles, but this is what just to go back to that, that energy, that like kind of like prickly aggrieved um, to online guy energy that Rogers has cultivated is not a uh, winning shit to me. Not to say he's not capable of making great throws and still being a great quarterback. Obviously, he's incredible. Like I'm on the record is thinking he's like the coolest quarterback I've seen. Uh, I still think that it's just also like, come on, dude. Like, if you're not having fun out there, then, like, and if you're, like, not having fun in this particular way, I got to feel like that permeates. Well, I mean, the the fact that he was so slow to get those receivers integrated into his, like, secret society, that cost him a playoff spot. Like, they could have won a game that they had to, they, they you know, the only reason that they missed the playoffs because they lost the final game on a cool hook and lateral play to the Lions, I should think. Love it. Hey, it's time for the guy of the week. Every week we remember an athlete of yore, not a Hall of Famer necessarily, but just a guy who makes you think, hey, I remember that guy. Keelan Kelly, you want to remember our guy of the week with us? Yes, I probably Good. won't know it. I probably no, won't know I, it. No, I think you will, because in your honor, it's former Bear Olin Krutz. Remember that oh, guy, yeah. Kalen? Yes, Neat. he's he's a great Twitter follow now. He's very critical of the of the Chicago Bears, so love to follow him. Oh, is he? Didn't he also, didn't he get in trouble? Didn't he like hit somebody in a bar or something he, like that? He might have that. That's ringing a bell. <laughs> I, I mostly know. know him because his nickname was Meat. <laughs> really? <laughs> I just think it's great when guys are nicknamed Meat. That's something that, uh, that's something that, uh, that John Madden would have latched on to. I think that's why I know entire it. telecast. Like, this yeah, guy, right. he goes by Meat. <laughs> There's the Meat. Circles it. And uh, Olin was arrested by a media startup named CHGO, which Chicago. No, yeah. I don't think that's what it stands for. For attacking a, a, a co-worker. So that, that's the deal. That, oh, my it was, God. It was between... When was and, that? 2022. So 
<laughs> was, oh, wow. All right. And so, was that recently? I don't really follow the passage of linear time. Very yeah, closely. actually, I don't know either. Hey, <laughs> let's open up the fun bag. These are real questions from Defector readers and distraction listeners. We only got time for one, Kale, and this is from Chris. Listen carefully because it's a bit ornate. It's got a bit of normal gossip feel to it, okay? This is from Chris, Kale, and he writes in, My wife and I have a nine-month-old son, our first. We also have friends whose daughter is three weeks older than our son. A few weeks ago, she ripped the glasses off of her mother's face and broke them. Now, those parents play a game where if she takes off their glasses... They have to give the baby a kiss. And now they're demanding other people play the game as well. So the other night, my son tried to take my glasses from my face. And my friend said, now you have to give him a kiss. And I responded, no, I don't. Meanwhile, my wife and I are wondering how we're supposed to deal with them. We don't have a lot of friends and the wives work together, so we can't avoid them. What? Plus, my wife has postpartum depression and she can mostly deal with their nonsense, but she has a therapist and sometimes it's a lot. So... Kalen, what do we do with these strange glass snatching people and their shitty baby? I don't even understand the premise of the game, to be honest with you. Like, are they trying to reward the baby for bad behavior? Yeah. Like, you know, it, you, I just. <laughs> when you have babies, you enter into a sort of uh, a dimension of psychosis that other people can't really understand. Yeah, that's the part of this people. that's confusing. All these people are. St- terribly sleep deprived everyone involved in the story has three and a half hours sleep also can babies actually take your glasses off yeah fuck yeah they can yeah they can how old did, did, did wait did they say how old the baby was i forgot nine months old but trust oh. me like right from the beginning they can grab your hair and rip it right out that's why wow. like, if you've ever noticed that new moms sometimes have bob haircuts that <laughs> is why it's it's entirely true i swear to god Wow. Okay. So baby strength is more than I thought it was. Um, Fuck, they're so strong. It's more than that, it's also determination. Like they don't have anything else on their minds. <laughs> yeah. Like they can't read. They don't give a fuck. They don't know what shapes are. They know what they know. They can identify them, but they don't know their names. I would definitely, I would definitely just like keep protesting and not participating in the game, but also keep hanging out with them and just like make it like a weird uh, issue. And yeah. like a, it's almost like a running joke, you know? I think that's the way to do it. Like, the, yeah. certainly the idea of, like, you need to be realistic about the long-term possibilities for friendship with someone who's like, now you must kiss the baby every <laughs> Got time. It's your nose. Like, that's weird. Don't just do that. wear your contacts. How about that? Let's yep. just all wear our contacts so then we don't have to play the <laughs> game. <laughs> that's that, that Midwestern conflict avoidance. Nothing works like it. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Right, exactly. There was, before we go, there was an old SNL sketch that was sort of in this vein. It was during the Eddie Murphy years, but Eddie Murphy wasn't in the sketch where the parents kept wanting to play Got Your Nose with everybody. No. Like, oh, got Your Nose. And so at one point, Jim Belushi gets all pissed at another parent. And he's like, oh, Got Your Nose and accidentally rips that other person's nose off and there's blood <laughs> spurting everywhere. So I like, I just wanted to note that spurting blood in sketch comedy is is underutilized now. So good. It should be. Uh, so Eric good. Silver is our producer. Brandon Google <laughs> is our editor. And our theme song is by Kirk Hamilton. Ads and production services are by Multitude. And please subscribe to Defector while you're at it. And of course, go subscribe to The Athletic, where Kaylin Keller works right now. She even gave you a reasonable price point that she cleverly snuck into the podcast, like the clever Midwestern gal that she is. Kaylin Keller, That's thank right. you for coming on. All our best to you and our jaw. Your jaw. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Our you. collective, our collective jaw. Hey, it here's is to us. Here's to our jaws. Look at us. Mm. 
<laughs> All right, see you guys next week. Enjoy Championship Weekend. Bye. Bye. Bye.